Hi and welcome to Oh Brother, What Are We Watching? Two brothers discuss pop culture with a geeky bent. My name's Chris and with me as ever is my co-host Steve. Steve, how you doing? I am doing alright. I have got full of Mandarin that I'm going to then explain immediately after I say it, just so the audience knows. And that's what's going to be for this podcast. We are... <laughs> okay. <laughs> An unexpected twist to our usual intro. Um... <laughs> actually wasn't Mandarin, was uh, Cantonese, and I actually don't know the translation for it, and that's all I've got, so don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, okay. <we'll> go. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So uh, we're here this week. Steve, you got any news nuggets before we move on? Just that we uh, continually, you know, are terrible at doing this podcast, but we thank you again for tuning in via whatever platform you are, whether it's iTunes, whether it's TuneIn, whether it's that other one, Stitcher. 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 Yeah. It's a great one. Which we love. We, we might even be on Spotify. I haven't checked it. Oh, no, we should you, be. But, uh, no, I have no official news. Sorry. No. No. Okay. Just that unofficial news. Just that unofficial news that we continue to be pretty terrible about the regular scheduling of this, but that we do love you and that we do like doing this. Yeah. And we're, 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 we're getting there. I think this is going to put us back on track. So, Steve. Talk to me. So we uh, we're talking about Firefly this week. The uh, the Joss Whedon's uh, sort of much loved cult classic. Let's let's talk a bit about our uh, our past with the show. So you uh, as as per usual, you introduced me. So why don't you tell me a bit about how you came across it first and and whatnot? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, the thing to remember, Chris, of course, is like so many of these things we talk about is the age of this. So this is 2002. Yeah, somewhere in that region. 16 years ago now, uh, getting close to 16 years, anyway, 15 years in a bit. And mm. uh, you will probably remember what we were doing at that time in our lives. But for the audience, I was at university, you were still at school. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, just finished my first year of university and was off to America for my second year of university to do uh, the second part of my uh, study over in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And I was excited to do this for many reasons. Obviously, all the kind of stereotypical like American student kind of party reasons that you might imagine. Pretty much yeah. was like that. It was great. Um, but also <laughs> being a nerd, I was very excited because for the first time in my life, and again, TV now is different to TV then, uh, I got to watch first run American television with my own American TV in America as it happens. So, mm-hmm. you know, on a given week, I was watching New Buffy, New Angel, uh, New, obviously, Firefly, Enterprise. Uh, 24 was in its second season as well. Yeah. And I remember watching that and and sports and, and all the rest of it. So being very nerdy, being very geeky, and obviously being very excited for uh, this new show, uh, Firefly, which was being trailed at the time by the Fox Network in the States terribly. Uh-huh. Like, like, there were... I I knew from watching other Joss shows that I, I got a reasonable idea of what this was going to look like and feel like. And mm-hmm. uh, I have to tell you firsthand, Chris, the uh, adverts for this were not good. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was it advertised it as an action show with a woman in a box, um, which yeah, <laughs> I remember sitting with my fellow students watching old episodes of The Simpsons and Friends and whatever. They were like, "Really? Is this is this show real?" And I said, "Yeah." it's going to be awesome Joss Whedon you know Buffy and nobody will watch Buffy as well so I kind of knew from when I started watching it this is going to be a hard sell on people and suffice to say about two weeks after I uh, left America to come back uh, 
it finished it got cancelled and that was all she wrote except for one movie and a huge amount of fan action and outrage uh the brown coats were officially born and spent the last 15 years uh shouting into into the into the vacuum of space about their beloved show not being on you fools you You didn't know how good it was you don't understand so obviously you came back and it was it was playing on the sci-fi channel uh in the uk uh yep and that is so that is that's how you introduced it to me so you and i sat and watched through it on sci-fi uh together and of course knowing from watching the first episode that there was only going to be 16 i think it was in total something like that Um, so it was already cancelled by the time it hit the uk um because that's you know that's probably one of the first things i kind of want to highlight is is was was different about that time in television there was this really long delay between Mm. what happened in the states and what happened here usually we could be up to three or four seasons behind sometimes on a tv show uh you know whereas now it's like we watch game of thrones 20 minutes after it airs in the states and there's really no point in in trying to watch it you know any earlier through illegal downloading means or anything these days so yeah so we sat we watched it on sci-fi i must say it probably took me sort of two or three episodes to really get into it mm-hmm. um uh because it was you know while in some ways is very familiar and comfortable uh you know the sort of the joss writing the joss humor is there um you know it was such a different aesthetic uh to anything i'd ever seen before um it, it kind of took me a while it was sort of it, you know it took me a while to to sort of get to grips with it i guess also didn't help that again i was watching it week by week which i despise doing and if i can ever avoid it i, I will but yeah so so we watched it we loved it went to go see the movie mm-hmm. I sort of shared shared in everybody's collective misery that it did get cancelled. I mean, for me, I, I, you know, again, this was this was such a thing of the time, especially on the Fox network, that it it just seemed like they were dropping the ball left, right, and centre. <laughs> like everything, everything they were they they would simultaneously fuck up in terms of, like you say, the advertising, uh, the placement, the time slot of of a given show. Um, it would it would develop this cult following this this you know core fan base, but it wouldn't get the ratings that they were looking for, and they would axe it with uh, without so much as a buy your leave. The difference with Firefly was that they gave it a significant amount of money, they gave it a significant amount of time, and by the end, by the time they actually made their decision, I think in the rank in the ratings it was something like the ninety eighth. It was just inside the top one hundred ranked tv shows that's how poorly it was doing now if you look at the raw numbers versus today you'd say oh well fox would kill to have five million people or whatever uh watching every week this this show but tv back then was very different to tv now there was no netflix there was no hulu there was no amazon um even cable was was much less restricted and they also played it on friday nights and i remember that because (laughs) being a nerd and being in university in, in america uh, Friday nights was, you know, going out night. You know, you'd, 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 we weren't able to legally drink, but, you know, parties and whatever. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it was more than one occasion I was like, ah, I'm going to stay to watch Firefly instead because I was <laughs> lame. <laughs> I was a nerd and I would rather stay to watch 45 minutes of Joss Whedon. The first thing that kind of came to mind when I was rewatching this, Chris, really was, you know, was this all too much? 
um, for network television. You know, nowadays, if this show was made, it would probably be on a Netflix or a yeah, cable definitely. channel or something. And the mix of, you know, Western, sci-fi, the Chinese language drops, you know, it wouldn't be seen as weird. But I think back then it was, I mean, it was weird. Like, it's it's it takes a while for you to get your head around it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... And in that sense, it's it's very much a case of Joss being ahead of its time, and I think that's why, as as with so many of shows, you know, like this, you know, it it is about that cult following that over time, you know, more and more people get into it and discover it and look back on it as, God, how did this show not get a hundred million viewers every week? How is it not the most popular thing on television? It's amazing, but you know, well, it's it's kind of. It's 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 more the sort of thing you would see on TV now, like you say. Um, it was, yeah, it was it was it was a bit much. You couldn't just drop in and out, you know. Even even with shows like Buffy, you while it had its continuing story arcs, you could drop into any episode of Buffy and roughly know where you stand. It's like it's about that super powered blonde girl and her sort of gang of misfit friends, and it's quite quirky and it's quite humorous, and I can just jump in. There's usually a, a monster of the week for me to enjoy and i can kind of get on with that whereas you know to really to really enjoy uh, firefly you needed to understand the characters you were dealing with and the world they were in and joss whedon did so much world building in uh episode one um serenity which we'll talk about in a moment uh which correct me if i'm wrong didn't actually get aired in the end no, it did get aired, run. but uh, the, so the story goes, and as I said, we'll, we'll, as you said, Chris, we'll get into the actual episode, but the story goes, uh, Fox received the pilot, they were a bit disappointed, they asked them to, to write another episode and said, we'll air Serenity as a two-parter in the future, as kind of a look back, um, and they did, and they actually aired it as the, I think they actually aired it as the second last one to be aired, <sighs> and uh, Objects in Space, which is the last episode produced... Um, was also sorry was was the last episode aired but it was actually when it got cancelled there was three episodes uh unaired and uh although on the the blu-ray box set you gave me chris objects in space is the last one objects in space was actually uh the fourth last one uh because joss felt that that was going to be the last one aired he wanted that one to air last rather than any of the other three i mean it it, it gives you all these problems straight away where you've got this like i say fantastic um pilot i think in serenity where joss does a huge amount of work to introduce our characters to introduce the world they're in and then he was made immediately to do another pilot which would be the train job he kind of has to do that all again but in a shorter 45 minute episode but yes yeah, so let's let's talk a bit about serenity so you sat and you, you rewatched it. it um so yeah. what 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 did you think watching it back sort of i presume you haven't watched it in years so, so watching it back 16 years later, Chris, <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was that the Fox Network was absolutely 100% right. Okay. It is slow. It is not boring. I wouldn't say boring, but mm-hmm. it was slow and not a lot happened. And I actually wrote down, slow, you can see why Fox ordered another. Mm-hmm. Because it just, it's, it's an hour and a half and nothing happens. I mean... You get the kind of interesting start, which is the you see a part of the the civil war, which is kind of brought up uh, throughout the the short season, and then after that, it's kind of slow and meandering, and they pick up some passengers, and then they don't really go anywhere, and then there's kind of a, a switcheroo on the ship between oh, I think he's the bad guy, well, actually it's this guy, 
it just is a bit slow. It's a bit inert. Like there's no outward momentum to the episode to to, to legitimize it actually needing an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it is it. The train job is not a great episode, but mm-hmm. it is a good starting episode because it is quick to the point. Forty five minutes action adventure introduces the characters, and you're kind of in there. But um, yeah, I can see why Fox kind of looked at this and went. I don't know if we can put this on the air. And I mean, it's it's interesting because I, you know, part of me wonders is was was Joss sort of giving himself kind of almost an impossible task because you know, like I say, there's so much so much done in that first episode to tell us, you know, as organically as possible, you know, what what's this world all about? You know, so we we'll, we get a few dropped comments here and there about the border worlds are like this the core worlds are like that the alliance is kind of this sort of big bag sort of jackbooted uh authority and they're trying to sort of stamp down our freedom and you know we also get a pretty good feel for all the characters um pretty much like you you come away from the first episode with a good idea of who everyone is what position they hold uh and like that but inherently in doing all that it's it it takes a lot of time um and and it is going to have that slower pace because we can't get straight into the action until we care about the people in the action um i suppose and obviously where most of the action as you say kind of takes place on the ship uh except for our brief little jaunt um at the end you know yeah there's probably some some pacing issues there and it's it's not like you say your standard 45 minute episode of television it's it's an hour and a half it's basically like a mini movie and it actually puts me in mind of uh, if you think of, say, uh, a show that would come later, Battlestar Galactica, um, mm. its first official episode, uh, which I think is called 11 Minutes or something along those lines, is... Sorry. I, it was a multiple <laughs> of 11. I knew that much. So, <laughs> so um, that is an absolutely fantastic first episode because it's it's got a great pace. It's got a great tension. It gives you a good idea of what's going on, but it, it's it's got a lot of good action. And um, as soon as I finished that episode, I was like, "Ooh, I really want to watch the next one." Like, oh know, yeah, I get going absolutely with hooked after that. Yeah. However, uh, when I first watched BSG, I watched the mini series, which uh, sure. you'd you'd let me borrow. And you said you've got to watch the mini series first. It gives you all the backstory, and it's vital. Um, and similarly, the mini series does give you all the backstory, uh, and it, I probably enjoyed the show much more for having watched it it was however incredibly long (laughs) and similarly not a huge amount happened and i kind of left that thinking like oh fucking hell (laughs) is this the is this the big space action drama thing that everyone's been going on about so i think it's a similar kind of thing where you've kind of you know you you can have these kind of backstory laden episodes and if if you're really into it and particularly if you're binge watching the show that won't harm you too much but you know i suppose if somebody had watched serenity and then they had some to wait another week to see what was next they might have their interest might have kind of dropped off and they might have gone oh you know i don't know if i want more of that you know (laughs) yeah and and, this is kind of common in american television for them to kind of order a pilot and then reorder them so Famously, Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. So that they, they ordered the, the cage. They thought it was too intellectual, and they reordered it with William Shatner and got a, a new pilot made, which then launched the season. 
Um, obviously, Firefly, even the, the reverse actually is also true. So with Crusade, this is the spin-off to Babylon 5, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about in a future podcast, I'm sure. Um, they did the, they actually did an episode where they hit it slap bang in the middle of their mission and actually did the reverse. They said, no, no, yeah. no, you need to introduce all this. We'll give you more money. Go make another pilot that has to be before all of this. So sometimes yeah. it can work differently, but I, I can definitely see where Fox were coming from after watching it because I watched it and I was like, I seem to remember this show being faster. I seem to remember yeah. this show being wittier. I seem to remember, you know, more going on. And it's, I think it's because when you have 90 minutes, it is like a film. You can kind of take your time. And yeah, they take the time. You're on the planet and talking to Badger and all that stuff. And you see them out there. It is a weird... It is a weird feeling episode in that regard. Mm-hmm. It is a bit slow, but you, as you said, you know, you do get to know the characters and they are largely where we expect them to be uh, later in the run. Um, you know, all the kind of basic tenants are down there. And I'm going to, I want to come back to that actually later after we've talked about objects in space because uh, there's something interesting I read about the kind of character traits that uh, Joss came up with for them. Okay, that's interesting. But I, they are largely in place. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely. I think there's probably just a few things I kind of want to um, bring up about the first episode then in general. And I think it's just a lot of things that always hit me straight away. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm I'm back in a Whedonverse show. It's it's yep. that kind of humor. It's it's taking my expectations. It's 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 hitting me with the trope and then maybe turning it on its head a bit. Uh, thinking specifically about when um, uh, Mal opens the box uh to find out you know what this big mystery box that simon tams brought on board with him is yeah and sees the naked girl and his first reaction is just to go huh yeah <laughs> and, and there's lots of that in firefly you know they, they yeah. did that very well kind of the uh cold end to a, uh an act would be that kind of uh very sudden change uh i think the one that stood out to me though was more like wash playing with his dinosaurs which is kind yeah. of a famous scene but it's, I think it was like the first kind of moment of levity when they're yeah. on an omission and he's like playing with his dinosaurs and you're like, it sounds very serious. Then it becomes very not serious, very funny. And then you kind of get a sense of both the character and the kind of the world we are in. Yeah. Which is, is very well done. It introduces, uh, it, you know, really does introduce everything uh, in the background. Uh, we see logos for the Blue Sun Corporation sort of labeled around everywhere. Something that would be paid off later. We get our mention of the Reavers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we kind of get told everything we need to know about them. And again, you know, looking looking back on it and kind of reflecting on what you've said a bit, you know, again, maybe that kind of that bit could have been maybe taken out, you know, because you could have introduced the Reavers and their, you know, sort of position as like these sort of boogeymen of, of deep space mm. slightly later in the show's run, and the pilot wouldn't have suffered for it, and it might have, again, tightened up the story a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And trying to introduce the, not the Empire, what they called the uh, yeah. the Alliance, the Alliance. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So the Alliance, and trying to introduce the Reavers, and trying to introduce all the kind of characters at the same time over an hour and a half, mm-hmm. rather than forty five minutes. You then basically have the crux of the episode is the old classic who done it switcheroo mystery, which is one of these guest is not like the other and of course it's the guy yeah. who's not in the credits it's kind of been there done that in that regard and also just something interesting that i um know because i'm uh, a massive nerd much like yourself uh is the scene where they are all 
um, sitting around the table having dinner. Yes. Uh, and talking. Uh, it's apparently the first time Joss Whedon had ever let his actors improvise. Because um, during Buffy and Angel's runs, it was very much, you stick to the script. And on maybe one occasion, he let somebody slightly change a line and, and he kind of went, yeah, okay. You know, pretty much he was pretty stringent about how his script was delivered, whereas this was the first time he kind of took a bit of a step back, trusted his actors a bit more, and kind of let them do a bit of improv, which is why it feels a bit more natural. They're kind of talking over each other a little bit. You know, it, it also gives a slightly more authentic feel to it, which I think showed this time sort of Joss kind of growing but this is the first time he yeah well exactly so he doesn't do many directing he he obviously wrote a fair amount of episodes and, and ran buffy and started off angel mm-hmm. but he would turn that over i think to um tim Minear, 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 whatever either way um in the end either way um whereas firefly at the start was really his baby he did a lot of direction on it and he kind of learned on it and i always remember being very surprised when he eventually got the avengers gig that he was going to not only write it but direct it but mm-hmm. uh uh, you can kind of see the the start of that here. He's kind of get, he gets a bit more into the process of how to produce and direct an episode, as well as uh, the previous writing of episodes. Yeah. So he's kind of learning his craft a bit on screen, and Serenity is is not perfect uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a decent introduction to the universe, and it is a rich universe. You know, we should say that as well. It is something that oh, very much a lot is packed into that. You know, there's been a civil war. There were things that were stood for. There's obviously some mysteries going on with various characters, um, which gets alluded to pretty much for the entire run and never really gets paid off, which is one of the more frustrating aspects of the show. It's kind of got taken away from us before we could find mm-hmm. out some of those things. And in that regard, he's, he does a good job. You know, Each character is distinct and has distinct um, background to them, um, sense of humour about them. Each of them are quite funny. And I think that's probably as well why he kind of trusted them in that scene. To your mm-hmm. point, Chris, you know, he's got some great comedic actors. Nathan Fillion has basically made a career of being a comedic action hero. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is where he kind of got his start. The rest of them, Adam Baldwin and so, they're all really great comedic actors. Yeah. Um, which really helps that kind of scene, the, the kind of natural interplay, natural banter kind of comes across there. And yeah, I mean, aside from that, I, I just noted that I laughed, all, you know, I laughed quite a bit, you know, watching this back again. And it's... You know, it's, it's probably not been as long for me uh, since I last watched it as it has been for you, because I think I've probably watched it through maybe, um, I don't know, four or five times. Uh, oh my god, overall. really? Yeah, it was a short show. So it's one that I can sort of come back to with relative ease. Uh, so, I mean, I think we, you know, we watched it the first time on the television sort of run. Um, and then, yeah, maybe I think two or three times after I got it on DVD. And then when I bought the new Blu-ray, I had to break it in. Um, and in anticipation of this podcast, not only did I watch the first and last episode, but I watched every episode and uh, the film Serenity, too. So, um, Oh, wow. Yeah, well, you know, just doing my due diligence and getting getting prepared. What I will um, say, what I will say is, um, I, so I haven't watched it in Blu-ray before. Mm-hmm. I've only ever watched it on standard definition, both on TV and on DVD. And... Um, I actually watched it on the Blu-ray that you gave to me. We met up, mm-hmm. we met up recently. You you gave me the Blu-ray to borrow and said, you know, fucking watch it and fucking do this yeah. podcast. Like, <laughs> sort it out. <laughs> sort it out, Steve. Mm. And of course, one of the interesting things is that although the um, show was shot in widescreen and everything, the effects were done in standard definition. So yeah. 
I'm watching it on Blu-ray, which actually makes it worse mm-hmm. because all the effects are then blown up. And um, another interesting point is the effects house for Firefly was the same as the Battlestar Galactica. True fact. Ah, true. So fact. they 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 learned here. The show got cancelled, and then about a year or two later, they did uh, Battlestar. And you can kind of see that from like shots, like um, in the first episode where they kind of zoom in. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like almost like cinema verity, where someone's kind of got like a, uh, like like almost it was like a documentary outside in space, where they kind of the zooming in and yeah, trying to do that. It's um, it's not as good as Battlestar. I think that's clear. But for the time, you have to kind of take yourself back to two thousand two. I mean, for the yeah. time, it was uh, a very expensive show, a very good looking show, and the effects at the time were were excellent. Yeah, I mean, I remember it. I remember it feeling fairly seamless at the time. Um, and and that's something else I noted actually watching it back it's more notable i think on serenity you know even though obviously the show was more or less done in a fairly short time span um but the cg in in the episode of serenity definitely looks more dated than some of the stuff later in the show's run for some reason uh some reason or another um and yeah that's probably part of it as well like you say the, the 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 filming in the widescreen and whatnot um but yeah unfortunately the trouble with cg is unless it's Jurassic Park, any CG will look amazing when it comes out, and then within a few years will look incredibly dated because mm. of the way CG just has has moved on. But you know, I don't think it dates it too extremely. You know, it it, it didn't it didn't sort of take me completely out of it. So let's 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 move on then uh, and talk briefly about objects in space. Sure, which was more or less the final episode. It is, yeah. The show didn't really run for long enough for Joss to sort of close out any arcs or specifically kind of drive home any any messages of the show. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel as much like a last episode as uh, as perhaps uh, we'd have liked. But what what were your sort of first impressions of, of rewatching that one? Well, my first impression was actually recognizing the bounty hunter. Ah, Jubal. Uh, sure. Um, so the actor <laughs> Richard Brooks, who plays the bounty hunter in Objects in Space, uh, I, was like, I know him. Mm-hmm. And I did know him because there was a, another short-lived... We watched a lot of short-lived shows when we were young. Yeah, we were kind um, of a jinx in that respect. I mean. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we would like a show and it would go off the air. And there was a bunch of shows... I don't even know if you watched it with me, but there was a show called uh, G versus E, or Good versus Evil, um, mm. which ran for, I think, two seasons or so. And he was the star of it. And he was like a, a guy from the 70s with an afro um, <laughs> who died. And then 20 years in the 90s or early 2000s, uh, this uh, other cop, white cop, dies. And they uh, are reunited in the afterlife as uh-huh. a crime-fighting duo fighting Satan's minions on planet Earth. And it was called G versus E. Well, I, n- I never watched that, but that sounds like a fucking awesome show well like all of <laughs> these like things great Chris, concept, it sounds anyway. amazing and then of course you put it on network television and then it gets cancelled right so yeah yeah same old but you know richard brooks uh is the the guy here it doesn't feel like a final episode you're right because of course they didn't really have a chance to do a final episode right but joss specifically picked this one to be the last episode when he knew well he had three or four to pick from really at that point to air and, and he picked this one and in that regard, I guess it makes sense because it is kind of a, a rumination on uh, River. You mm. know, she kind of takes centre stage. It's got some of Joss's favourite things, which includes, you know, um, metaphors and uh, an outside character coming in and shining a light on our main characters and stuff like that. For most of the episode, I kind of just got the feeling that this is 
really just a bottle show. Like, yeah, this really is a middle of the season one kind of bottle show where there's not much budget. They bring in a guest star and they have the show completely within the confines of the of the standing sets to save money. Yeah. Basically, mm-hmm. is is what they've done. So in that regard, I wasn't too enamored with like action or the fact that obviously River was going to save the day. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, it was quite fun to see, and I think the I think Richard Brooks puts in a great performance um, as the kind of unhinged bounty hunter. Interesting, some of the lines that he comes out with. Uh, I think the one that always kind of brought gets brought up is the fact that um, when they're looking for the room or we're looking for River. Yeah. Uh, with Simon, and he kind of ruminates on the room, and he's like, well, if River, River's not in the room, it's not really her room. Is it her room? Is, is it her room when she's in it? He's, does, does it serve a purpose? Does it serve yeah. a purpose? Yeah. You can see kind of just kind of, you know, winking and being, haha, I'm so clever. Um, <laughs> with his little line there. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of a decent episode, but it did seem like... And in many ways, it is the perfect episode to end on because it is just full of unfulfilled promise, right? So yeah. it's a show that could have been so much more and uh, didn't really get a chance to, to do what it could have set out to do. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because obviously that, this is the format we've picked for talking about TV shows. We look at the first episode, we look at the last episode. Normally, the idea is, whoa, let's look at the contrast between this show that started in the 80s and ended in the late 90s or started off as quite a a straight shooting comedy and became this wacky screwball comedy um but obviously you know these these were filmed probably scant weeks apart months apart um and so there isn't that kind of huge difference in leap um and unfortunately probably the strongest episodes of the show are kind of slap bang in the middle of the run um you know things like uh aerial and uh, bushwhacked, I'm quite fond of out of gas, things like that. Um, I would certainly never say Objects in Space is my favorite, and it's probably one of probably one of the ones I forget the most. It's not one of the ones that comes to mind uh, instantly. But you know, it does have some strong moments. You know, right at the start, where River's walking around, and we've never seen things from her perspective before, um, mm. and so now we're seeing. We kind of get the idea she could probably read minds. She has some sort of intuition or psychic power and here we're seeing through her eyes how that plays out she just hears these sort of snippets of what people mm, are really thinking mm. in contrast to what they're saying and of course almost no one's saying what they're really thinking it, it kind of gives us this nice little insight into how everyone's feeling we got some invest- investigations of people's pasts and we got to know them a bit better throughout the show but the shepherd yeah uh to me kind of represents that this is what you didn't get. Here's what you didn't win. <laughs> because we're always hinted at throughout the show, the shepherd's got a past. You know, he yeah. the Alliance treat him without question in, in one episode. You know, here when uh, when we see his thoughts, uh, they're a lot darker than we expect him to be. He seems kind of almost angry, even though on the outside he's laughing. Um, and quite, quite interestingly, when, uh, when he's knocked out on the floor, and I think Simon says to Early, he says... You knocked out a shepherd, and he's just like, yeah. "That ain't a shepherd." Not... Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's again, it's like, oh, he knows something. There's, there, there is an interesting story there, and it was, of course, explored in uh, a comic book that was overseen by Joss and written by his son Zach Whedon. But oh, God. Uh, to people Fear like yourself, comics. well, uh, I don't like expanded universe, but I like canon comics, <laughs> and that was a 
canon comic. That's one thing Joss does a lot of. Um, but of course, it, it was never investigated in the show, and not everyone enjoys the medium of their shows being continued in comic book form. Um, so while we now have an idea of what was going to be revealed, it didn't get to be revealed the way Joss would have intended it, you know, throughout the show, bit by bit. And that, that for me, is kind of one of the, the, the sort of the greater losses. Can I admit something on this podcast? Go on. Because I don't think any many people except for, you know, you and me and like the hundred or so people who regularly download this will know or care. Uh-huh. I don't, I've never really got into comic books. No, that's that's always kind of been that's always kind of been your dark secret for for like a nerd. <laughs> you have a lot of friends. You have a lot of friends is, who are quite into the thing comic is, books. Unless, but... in, unless it's like in long form, I always feel like I'm being shortchanged. So, mm-hmm. like recently, I, I won't go into too much detail, but I've got a graphic novel and I'm reading it, and just when it starts to get interesting, like it ends, and it's all very quick. And I'm thinking, well, if this was a TV episode or a film, it'd be a lot more detailed to it. Which is why I think when it's really great, like I'll give you an example, like Watchmen, like mm-hmm. the Watchmen comic book, the the, the whole like, collection is fucking fantastic because it feels like I'm reading a book, like mm-hmm. there's lots to it. Whereas a lot of the other stuff, like when I get it, I'm reading, it, I'm like, it's over too quickly. Like I know I should appreciate the art and everything, but I'm just reading it, you know, when I'm looking yeah. at it, and before I know it, it's over. So that's my dirty little secret. <laughs> comic books are okay. <laughs> but just okay i would like to be a comic book connoisseur and i think i've briefly discussed this before but if i can't do something from start to finish i can't do it and almost no comic book runs you know is it really tenable for me to do that because they're just way too long and i would die before i finished you know what again hits me from both this and serenity and kind of the whole run is just um the the brand of humor that that um is in this show is something that i just find quite timeless like i don't I don't ever get sick of it. You know, I don't ever kind of sit there and go, oh, yeah, well, that's funny. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Um, sure. It, it usually actually, it, it usually hits me. It usually gets a proper, uh, you know, uh, gut laugh out of me. Um, and the particular uh, favorite moment in this, which is very typical Joss in Objects in Space, uh, which is where Simon asks uh, Early, says, are you Alliance? And Early mishears him, as people often do in real life, and goes, mm. Am I a lion? <laughs> and, then, and then goes off, goes off on that thread. It's like, well, I don't think of myself as a lion, but maybe you should. And then Simon, like, kind of awkwardly corrects him. He goes, "No, no, I said, are you alliance?" And again, that's that's just sort of a very typical kind of joss bit of humor for me. You know, it's not, it's 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 taking this grand, very dramatic story. You know, there's a bounty hunter in space, but still things happen like they happen in the real world you mishear someone it's a bit embarrassing <laughs> you kind of laugh it off oh that that that's awkward okay whatever um sure and I mean, the other yeah. the other the, the kind of favorite piece for me was probably um his repeated line uh of the bounty hunter this is early of uh did that seem right to you and <laughs> sometimes it was funny sometimes it was a bit disturbing but i think that, that was my favorite I, I know what you mean though i mean throughout the run of firefly just has a a fine caliber of writers uh, in that writers room. So, in addition to himself, Ben Edlund, who would create and write the Tick comic, mm-hmm. as well as TV show, um, Tim Minear or Minor, I'm not quite sure, yeah. uh, who would then go on to run Angel and probably run some of Angel's best stuff. Actually, like mm-hmm. 
the shake-up in seasons four and five. Uh, a lot of that's Tim Minear, I think, and he did a great job with that. Um, and Jane Espenson and a few other people as well. So uh, there's great calibre of writers, great calibre of actors um, that lead to these kind of uh, fantastic uh, co- comedy moments, which are very typical of Joss Whedon shows. But yeah, this this episode in particular kind of feels like a kind of a, almost like a middle of the run episode from a an old world point of view. A kind of a 22, 26 episode first season run. This was kind of like a perfect yeah. bottle show. Nowadays in a 10 or 13 episode run where things are a bit more economical and a bit more kind of story focused. Um, I don't know if you would necessarily have seen this episode. No, I, I think you very much wouldn't. Um, and that's another kind of thing where we, you know, at first looked back on, on Firefly as, you know, oh my God, cut down in its prime. You know, it didn't even get through its first season. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, by today's standards, 16 episodes would be quite a long run for a first season. Um, sure. But like you say, there would have been certain elements taken out you know we wouldn't have seen an object in space we wouldn't have necessarily seen you know some of the episodes that are fun and interesting but don't drive the overall plot that don't move the universe along because that's that is very much the name of the game these days and and it is a shame because you know part of you thinks well if joss had just sat on this one (laughs) you know because if he made it now it it would be a huge hit it would be on streaming it would be yeah probably a netflix show or probably would have got would have got a lot more of it but uh we are where we are so um just some more general thoughts on the show you know uh from you steve you know and it's 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 legacy you know do you think generally do you think it still kind of holds up yeah, I think I, I think when you take away the, the kind of the effects, and again, I'm not dissing on them. I'm just putting them in context, right? So mm-hmm. you know, it's 2002. Don't you know shit on on it because it's old. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it is you, to your. You just said it there. I think I think if this show was made now, and it was put on Netflix or Hulu or something, and it was like it's a sci-fi western thing from joss whedon i think people would go nuts and i think people would binge it and joss could then you know craft it out and it would probably run for several seasons whereas i think joss's biggest mistake um if he did make one was that he put it on fox because fox like so many of these u.s networks are looking for high ratings high advertising numbers um they can't really afford to carry too many shows that have you know failing numbers even when they put them on a a Friday night and Firefly was an expensive show and you know to say it out loud you know it, it had Chinese a lot of Chinese <laughs> <laughs> phraseology in every episode sometimes explained sometimes not mm-hmm. um, it was a genre mashup you had ships flying around in space but you had a lot of planets which were westerned you had a prostitute as one of your heroes you had uh, a bunch of heroes that were basically villains and rogues and guys on the run mm-hmm. so it doesn't really make sense to put it on like Fox TV or, or one of those ones, you know, he had success with Buffy and, and Angel when they're on the CW or what is it called? The now, WB as was yeah. the WB as it was. So kind of like small netlets, mm-hmm. but this one was on Fox because I think probably because Fox wanted his next show and also because he was hot stuff back then on TV mm-hmm. and uh, it was a lot of money. So he needed, he needed a bigger budget, but, you also need to deliver big ratings in those regards, and uh, I think that's really was the kind of the failure uh, all round. Really, it was a, it was a sh- in that regard. Then, Chris, yeah, it was a short ahead of its time. The story of Joss Whedon's career, you know, this was a very important part of it. Um, short lived though it was, 
it was almost like he got martyred. You know, if you take Firefly out of the equation and kind of mm-hmm. jump to the next things Joss would turn his hand to, which weren't all they weren't all particularly commercial or critical successes, we might look at him quite differently. Uh, I think because this show kind of said to everyone like Buffy and Angel wasn't just like a fluke. You know, it, it wasn't just he hit onto a good idea and his actors and the talented team of writers around him carried him through. Mm. You know, he showed, no, no, I can do it again. I can do it in an entirely different setting, an entirely different genre. I can make up my own genre and 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 do it again. And it made people really believe in him that bit more. And certainly for me, you know, I, I would have said, you know, around this time, Joss Whedon can do no wrong. The man is a god and he, he is an auteur and he is incapable of putting a foot wrong. <laughs> and so I would forgive Dollhouse, which was, uh, you know, his <laughs> next TV show, which I'm, I've still never actually watched, but it was, by, oh, wow. for all intents and purposes, incredibly boring. And he had a point to make, but I just don't think he quite got it across. I, I don't think he understood what he was trying to do with Dollhouse, because I, no. I watched portions of it, certainly yeah. all of the first season. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's not a great show, I'll be honest with you. And I think I think Dollhouse actually is very much an example of Joss biting off more than he could chew. You know, it was that was an example of a show that I've I've heard tons of think pieces about it, about how it was this feminist, you know, incredible feminist piece, uh and, and how it was all about um, you know, uh rape and sexual abuse, but but all in this very clever veil of an action show turned drama turned whatever else but i just think it was a mess i i don't think like you say i don't think he really knew what he was doing with it or where he was going with it and i think if that had been the first thing to come after buffy and angel i think people would have looked at him entirely differently and been like okay so he had one good shot you know he he did one good thing he i think he'd look at him the way that i look at kevin smith now which is like you had one good one in you didn't you buddy and like pretty much pretty much everything since has been just Everybody Just gets one, off. Chris. Everybody, Everybody gets, one. gets one. Um I think the veil of Joss's feminist has also suffered some damage in recent years. Oh so, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I think what passed for a progressive feminist show in the nineties and early two thousands is very different to now. Mm-hmm. Um and also the kind of recent actions by his I think now ex wife, um and kind of alluding yep. to what Joss is maybe more like um, I don't think Joss has necessarily done anything heinous. He's not like assaulted anyone or anything, but no. But it's it certainly damaged that sort of. It's damaged that reputation that he was like the ultimate feminist, progressive auteur, mm-hmm. and uh, he would have been like the perfect guy for Wonder Woman and exactly all yeah. that other stuff. And yeah, I think Dollhouse is. It's, well, we we won't talk about Dollhouse anymore. No. But uh, <laughs> let us never speak of it again. Let's never speak of it again. Uh, <laughs> I certainly don't have any intention of watching it again. No. Um, but you know, Firefly does still have some of those tropes in there. You know, one of his heroes is a the the, the most. And that's one of what I wanted to talk to actually about Chris was about these characters because, um, in a, one of the things when I was doing with my reading on this was um, you know, obviously the show is very popular mm-hmm. still. You know, the fans, they call themselves brown coats. If you're listening, hi, brown coats. Um, <laughs> but apparently, like, a large proportion of brown coats are libertarians. Uh-huh. And uh, for those of you who don't know, libertarians tend to be kind of 
center-right, right-wing Americans who believe in everything basically being free from like government influence and oversight. Um, and that each of the characters in Firefly really kind of represent a different kind of branch of libertarianism, which is very yeah. not Joss. Joss is very much a liberal, progressive Democrat yeah. on the left side of the spectrum. And a lot of the characters in Firefly are not. They are, you know, prostitution, but legalized. That's not really what the left see as prostitution. They'd rather just have rid of it and ban it. It's mm-hmm. the, the most legitimate of them in their job and their role in life is the prostitute. Yeah. Which is interesting. But also the fact that you've got the, um, the, you know, the war hero, you've got the, the, the logical thinker, and you've got all these kind of other kind of character traits spread across, you know, the, the freedom to, uh, to bear arms, right. Mm-hmm. To have weapons, of course, uh, freedom of religion, you know, liberty and all these other kind of things, you know, very American, very center, center, right. Libertarian ideals. Um, where Joss would probably say he's never really subscribed to those. Yeah. Which is I found was, was very interesting, actually. It would have been interesting to see how that would have kept as the show ran. Mm-hmm. Would uh, the characters have changed? Would they have become more progressive slash democratic? Uh, and would those fans have maybe been disappointed if the show had changed? Um, I thought it was just very interesting. Just no, it was. How... Um, yeah. Kind of um, playing on that as well... Uh is one thing um nathan fillion says in one of the uh audio commentaries because of course i listen to the audio commentaries of course you do um <laughs> he said the way he always played it and something he always had in his mind about mal was that he saw all the characters around mal as aspects of his personality specifically those that he felt he'd lost so obviously book represents the faith that he used to have that he lost kaylee represents this kind of innocence that that he feels he no longer has you know zoe is still kind of the soldier and mm. you know follows orders and, and everything else but he's not he he isn't a soldier anymore but he mm. he's kind of lost that aspect of him and i was like that's fucking that's some good that's some good acting chops nathan that's good <laughs> i like that's, what, I like what you did there. some thought to it i like it yeah and you know also i kind of kind of to your point you know, sort of about, you know, where the show might have gone, didn't get to go. You know, part of me thinks now that that maybe the best thing they, they could have done for Firefly, in a way, uh, was to cancel it. Now, don't get me wrong, I was gutted that they cancelled it. It's an amazing show, and I really wish we'd got to see more of it. I wish we'd got to explore these characters more, let the backstory come out a little bit more naturally, you know, I don't want to talk too much about Serenity, but what Serenity kind of does is shoehorns in a lot of exposition because film-going audiences needed to understand the world. And it kind of told us a lot of what we probably would have found out in due course, but in a very unnatural way. You know, so we got robbed of a lot of that. We got robbed of uh, a lot of very interesting stories. But by the same token, um, you know, every every TV show, even the ones we love very dearly, have sucky episodes that you hate. <laughs> Or, you know, episodes that you think, okay, I've watched that once. I don't particularly want to have to watch that one again. Um, but being me, I always have to when I'm re-watching things. Um, but for me, Firefly, one of the reasons I've probably watched it so many times is that there isn't a single episode in there that I think, oh, I don't want to watch this one. Or, God, I wish I could skip this one. Each mm. one tells a good story. It has moments I enjoy. It's got humor. It's got good visuals. It's got good atmosphere i usually pick up something i didn't pick up before 
and I always find it enjoyable to watch. And for a lot of people, you know, you'd ask them, what is your favorite show ever? This could well come out of their mouths. And mm. and and it it is almost kind of perfect as it was. <laughs> like so it almost died before it had the chance to see itself, you know, not turn bad, but but have a downturn. You know, like mm. um, you know, I, I absolutely adore Buffy and Angel, but they, they both had whole seasons that kind of sucked. Um, and it was usually because, again, Joss kind of overstretched himself a bit, so he was show running at one point three shows, but obviously, in effect, wasn't show running two of them at all. Um, and so, you know, I think season six of Buffy was really quite weak. Uh, season four of Angel was 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 pretty bad. Uh, and while they had some nice moments in them, we saw a lot of dross in there, and it's 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 kind of a slog when I'm rewatching them to watch through it. Firefly never had that, you know, it, it didn't, you know, so like I say, it's not, like I used the term martyred before, you know, it's almost like been held up as this, this sort of icon of cult TV. Um, and I wonder had it kept running, yes, we would have got some great stuff out of it, but maybe it wouldn't be looked back on so fondly, you know, maybe it would be looked back on as like, yeah, it had a, it had a decent start. Didn't like what happened when the main character left and, uh, you know, someone randomly got a sex change and, and there was all that weird political stuff in the middle. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I think it, it kind of got saved from the bullshit that network TV actually normally has to go through. Uh, and in that respect, you know, uh, I, and I said to you before this, I was going to bring up the Disney acquisition of 20th Century Fox. They now own, or should should all go through, the rights to everything under that banner including their television and therefore including firefly and serenity and if they wanted to would be well within their rights to in some way or another bring the show back but at this point this late in the game i really wouldn't want them to like maybe a mm. year after serenity had been in the cinemas i'd have killed for a movie sequel or i'd have been thrilled to hear that some streaming network of some sort was going to pick up the show and give us an extra series, you know, but now so far in the future with everybody much older and fatter and balder and some dead, um, you know, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't want to see the show come back. I'm fairly certain you'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's time has passed. So there's uh, one thing I wanted to do a little, a little game that I made for us. Uh, if you'll indulge me. <laughs> um, so basically, I think one of the was overriding things I'd want to say is, aside from having a pretty ludicrously high concept, I think the best thing about um, Firefly as a whole was the characters and how strong each individual character was uh, and how quickly that comes through in the TV show. Like you said, they kind of nailed it straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, right from the get-go, there's, there's, there's characters who I can identify with, I can understand... Um, and, you know, even in sci-fi shows that we, we love and adore, you know, if I was to say, give me some of the defining character traits of Geordie LaForge, you might struggle because he didn't have any. It was whatever <laughs> no, he suited. Did. He was a creep. He was, he a, was creep. a creep. <laughs> he was just a blind creep. <laughs> <That's>, that... <laughs> he was. He was. He was like, he'd go to the holodeck and like hang out with real women and they'd be like, oh, you caught me. <laughs> Got me again. Um. But yeah, you know, especially, you know, back in, in these days of television, it was kind of more common to have a character who they did what you needed to that week. 
you know, if you needed them to be uh, a, a huge fan of American football, that's what they would be that week, and then it would never come up again yep. because it wasn't relevant. Um, so uh, a, a famous thing that you can do with characters to see how strong their character is is to try and describe them without mentioning who they are or what you know um, their name, what they look like, what their job is, and see if someone can yes. figure out the character. So I've created a little thing here, Steve, where I'm going to okay. describe a character. You're quiz to me. me. I'm going to quiz you and see if you can figure out which character I'm referring to just by these very short explanations of their character. Okay. 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 I'm ready for it. Let's start quite easy. Uh, so this character is quite selfish. This is the sort of person who'd shoot first and ask questions later. Deep, deep down, they'll usually do the right thing. Adam Baldwin's character. I'm trying to remember the name of the character. Jane. Uh, Jane. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. sometimes I only know the actor's name. No, no, no. That's, I, I'm, that's I'm almost Jane. the opposite. That's Jane. Yeah. So that's Jane. That's Jane. Nice, easy one. A bit of a softball. Okay, so how about this? This character is kind of waifish, very perceptive. They're really not on the same wavelength as the rest of the crew, and they're kind of they're kind of a little bit innocent, seemingly. That's River. That's River. Okay, easy. How about this one? Uh, she's quite happy-go-lucky, very sweet and and fun, kind of the heart of the crew. Well, that's the engineer. That's Kaylee. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Let's get. Let's let's make these a little bit more difficult. Um. Okay. This character is he's very uh, intelligent, kind of prim and proper, and is probably the most Simon. out of place. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, this one is very elegant but reserved. Um, probably the most sophisticated amongst the crew. That's the, that's the prostitute. That's... Um, uh, I can tell you her job. I can tell you the actress's name. I forgot the character's name. It Marine is ba- ba- Ma- Marina Bakarin uh, Inara. Okay, Inara. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, okay, so he's kind of a joker. He's a bit goofy. He's not what you typically describe as masculine. That's wash. Yep. <laughs> okay, this character's uh, quite headstrong. Um, kind of a warrior. Very fiercely loyal. That's um, that's the first officer. That's what's her face. <laughs> Are you gonna say Gina Torres? <laughs> I know it's Gina Torres. I don't know her character's name. Jesus Christ, Dave! It's Zoe. 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 You know what, <laughs> Chris? Wait, hang on, hang on. Right, I'm gonna get all of these because and, and you're doing well. Your point, your point is well made. The characters are well-rounded. This is not Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, where you try and describe any of the characters and you will fail because all you can go is go like Queen, um, Stoic Boy, yeah, exactly, Stoic Wooden, boy, Wooden, you know, Jedi. That's yeah, you know, they're they're well-rounded. I I just have a problem because uh, it's been a while since I watched the entirety of the show. And I like it. I'm not a brown coat, no. and um, I only watched the two episodes um, and took my notes on them. So I sometimes forget. I mean, Mal Wash, yep, Zoe kind of just you know I kind of just lost her name there in the. It's, uh, it's a few of the you are well. you are more than forgiven, but um yeah. So you did you did well you did well with my with my quiz. I only really had uh, book and Mal to go, and they were kind of obvious. Obviously. Um, yeah, but you know, it's it, it's 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 the point I make is like I really can't think of that many TV shows where I could do a similar thing, 
with confidence that you would get all the answers right. You know, there's very, very few that I think straight away I could just say, boom, this character is this, this character is that, where you wouldn't at least have to think, oh, that could be a couple of them, or yeah, you know, exactly. give me something, give me something else. There's very, very few shows out there that that would have that. And again, we're talking about something that only had 16 episodes to do this, and it was the the first 16. And I think about a lot of shows that I I love and I watch and part of the reason why I like to look at the first and the last episode is because sometimes they, they you look at a character in the first season and think, God, they're nothing like that. Um, I was recently thinking about like the first season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia um, and how I really struggled to distinguish between the male characters and and how like Sweet D is just this kind of normal uh, sort of foil for the crazy machinations of the other three. And it took maybe like two or three seasons before they all had a very distinct characters and character traits uh, because it just kind of takes a while to get those things. But this show kind of had that down pat straight away. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I very much see people's frustrations with, uh, with the cancellations of the show. And I think, you know, I'm, you know me, I, I'm an asshole. And one of my many asshole things I like to do is be a bit of a hipster and be like, well, I did it first, or I was there first. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's one of the things that frustrates me the most is almost everyone I know that knows this show found it years later. You know, um, yeah. they weren't there at the time. They didn't, they didn't get to feel the magic as it happened and the incredible crushing disappointment of finding out Fox had cancelled another show. <laughs> Which is, you know... One of the best moments of uh, Family Guy in Family Guy's entire run is when they come back from cancellation mm-hmm. and they list off every single show that Fox had cancelled between the first time... Th- between the time that Family Guy got cancelled and Family Guy came back. And it's yeah. a ridiculous alphabetical list, which includes Firefly. Yeah, um, and Angel. All the way through it. It is... And Angel. And, but it, it is a ridiculous list because Fox are famous for it, but also because... It was a different time back then, but if Joss had his druthers now, he could take that concept to a Netflix or a Hulu and run for five seasons. Mm-hmm. And possibly with Dollhouse. I mean, Dollhouse, I think, if, again, it had not been on Fox, he probably could have got the show he wanted to make, and it probably would have been better, again, without having to worry about ratings and network execs and all the rest of it. In summation, Firefly was an amazing show. And I... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love it dearly I love Good it dearly summation. and having rewatched Serenity um, I must say I liked it a lot less than I did before the movie mm, yeah I, I used to love it the movie's not great I, I think the movie when you especially when you remove it from the nostalgia mm-hmm. and just watch it it's again it's like, a, it's like oh I need to wrap this up for the fans but also I'm going to be Joss Whedon and kill two of my favourite characters like you yeah. know it's, it's once again it's an impossible task it's Instead of Joseph saying, okay, I'm just going to roughly close up the, the story, he told the story of what he wanted to do across, I think, the first two seasons of the show. So I think season two was going to end with, uh, you know, them finding Miranda and getting the signal out, and, and that was going to happen. But, you know, you're taking potentially, you know, 30, 40 hours of television and trying to cram it into a two-hour film. Hmm. Similarly, again, kind of almost doing a third pilot, you know? How how do I introduce all the characters again and let everybody that's never seen the show know what's going on so they can still enjoy the film? Um, and again, it's just it's an impossible task. It would have been 
not better left alone. You know, I'm still glad that they did it, but um, it would have been, it would have been so much better if it had just been a Netflix revival ten years later. But so on that kind of um, depressing note. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to bring up about the show in general um, before we move on? Again, viewed in the context of when it was made, 2002, when uh, Enterprise was kind of dragging Star Trek to its death's door. Before, you know, uh, <laughs> that was, final it was, death it was, now. It was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was fresh. You know, we talked about this before with Buffy, you know, watching Buffy and Angel in this was a lot fresher than watching iteration after iteration of star trek and other things so um no i did like that i did like the kind of rough and tumble aspect of it but ultimately that kind of genre smash up um is something that was hard to kind of get over i think for some people uh and your enjoyment will depend on whether you can believe that you can have both a futuristic space laden show that has no sound effects in space by the way like it should be in real life exactly um, versus uh versus like western colony worlds mm. and it's never quite clear like is it a universe is it a galaxy is it a solar system it's kind of weird like because yeah. they don't explain it but anyway yeah but i mean i think i think again that's kind of one of the things that helps it age better because you know if you watch any star trek now the science that might at one point have been quite cutting edge you know from there consultants on the show or whatever it may be at the time uh, is now preposterous uh and mm. you know we we pretty much know that a lot of what they say this is why that works can't work or would never work um and and you know i think the more you attempt to explain something that might possibly never be possible in the real world the more you're kind of wasting your time it's a fictional show you know, and and no one cares about the fictional reason that you can travel faster than the speed of light. So just say that you can and, and be done with it. And that's that's kind of what, what kind of, I don't know, I think makes it so endearing to me all these years later is that, you know, it didn't, it didn't try too hard on the sci-fi front. It just gave us what you needed. Yes, there's lasers. Yes, we can travel faster than the speed of light. But I can't explain to you how that happens because it's not real. You know, it's, it's like trying, it would be like Gandalf trying to explain to me why he can do magic. I don't need to know. I just need to know that he can do it. See what I mean? Sure. Lovely. So, Steve, um, tell me what I'm going to be doing uh, in our next episode, what, what we're going to be discussing. Right, Chris. Well, I think uh, it's time that you start to get into uh, Babylon 5. It starts to get into it in a big way. So let's Ooh, uh, have you watch uh, <laughs> The Gathering, the pilot of B5. I know uh, I... A long, long time ago, when we started off this podcast, we talked about that one episode you want shared. Well, uh, let's see if you want to watch uh, any more of it. So let's uh, ha have you watch the pilot. Okay, well, this is kind of a long time coming. So, <laughs> yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. You know I've got it on the Skybox. Um, it's been kind of sat there staring at me for a while. So uh, Yeah, burning away, burning away. That's just time I finally take that plunge. And uh, we'll we'll discuss it in two weeks' time. Excellent. Okay, so uh, that'll be all for this episode. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, uh, please do keep in touch with us. You can follow us on Twitter at OBrotherPod. Like us at Facebook.com slash OBrotherPodcast. Uh, finally, please, please, please subscribe on iTunes. Review, rate and review on iTunes. Uh, Stitcher and Stitcher. tune in. Tune in. Whatever you're listening to us on, 
if you can give us some sort of feedback, uh, we'd really appreciate it because it lets us know that somebody's listening. Like, seriously, if you don't like us, just tell us. Like, at this point. Yeah, I'll, I'll flame the shit out of you. You know? don't, even, don't even worry about flaming. Just tell me. <laughs> if you don't like us, just say so. Man. Yeah, we'll go, man. We'll, we'll leave. You just say something. But otherwise, we're going to keep right. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I've, I've been Chris. Uh, he's been Steve. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye.